It's 47 consecutive years with the same person. <laughs> and we both agree, there we go. Yeah, that was a little quick, but I'll, <laughs> here we go. So nothing's changed in our lives, right? That is me. Some folks in the back didn't recognize it. And that is Mary Kay. And if you know Mary Kay, she still looks pretty much the same. That was our engagement picture from 49 years ago. Yep. So get it out of there quick. Uh, <laughs> but what a blessing to have that stability in the midst of all the changes in life. Now, you've already heard what our bottom line verse was for the week, and that's the promise we're going to talk about in a little while, but in the midst of change, it is such a blessing to know that there's something in our life that will never change, something in our life on which we can put our entire foundation of our existence and our faith, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but what we're going to do for the next few minutes is we're going to do a flyby of what our kids learned in Vacation Bible School. Now, I'm talking a flyby because we were with your kids for over 15 hours, they heard five stories, five bottom lines, and a promise. We're going to do that in about 15 minutes because we move quick on Vacation Bible School Sunday. So five stories, five bottom lines, and the promise. The first story is Joseph. Most of us know the Old Testament story of Joseph. He was the youngest of 11 sons, Jacob's sons, also known as Israel. And Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Better than any other 10 that he had. He ultimately has a 12th son, but we're not going to talk about that one. But he was a favorite son, so much so that his father gave him the coat of many colors, and we know that part of the story. God gave Joseph also the ability to have dreams and to interpret those dreams. And Joseph went to his 10 brothers, who already are a little jealous because of the coat of many colors, and said to his brothers the interpretation of two dreams. Both of them basically said his brothers are going to bow down to him, and nations will also bow down to him. That did not make his brothers happy. His brothers decided they would kill their youngest brother, Joseph. But rather than killing him, they threw him into a pit. Eventually, he is taken out of the pit. He becomes sold to slave traders. He ends up in Egypt. Through no fault of his own in Egypt, he ends up in jail. And in jail, he's such a good administrator, he starts running the jail. He's still interpreting dreams. And eventually, Pharaoh has his dreams, and he needs them interpreted. People remember Joseph, bring him out of jail. Joseph interprets the dreams, and the dreams basically say that there's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. Pharaoh knows so much about Joseph at this point, he puts him in charge of Egypt. Joseph does a great job during the seven years of abundance. He saves enough extra food that they have an abundance in the seven years of famine. So much so they feed the Egyptians. They also feed the surrounding countries. Pharaoh becomes even richer now we're back to Joseph's family. They're struggling with the famine as well. They're starving. Ultimately, the entire family comes to Egypt. And Joseph, Joseph could be mad at his brothers. He's not. He takes care of his family during the famine, and they are saved. Now, I want to share with you our Genesis passage, how Joseph reacts to his brothers. This is out of Genesis 50, and it goes like this. It's on the screen. But Joseph said to them, his family, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. Now, the bottom line of this particular story was live like you know God is with you. God is with Joseph all the way along. And God is with us 
no matter what's happening in our lives, the good times, the less than good times, but that bottom line is to live like God is with you. Second story is Esther. If you had 20 minutes, I could do Harbona for you, but you don't need to hear that one. So here we go, Esther. Xerxes is king of Persia. Xerxes is looking for a new queen. And he checks out a whole lot of women, but eventually he falls in love with Esther. Esther's beautiful, but there's something about Esther that's different. She's not Persian. She is Jewish. But the king fell in love with her, made her queen. And things are going along well until Haman, the king's right-hand man, became upset. Now, the king's right-hand man was such that people would bow to him like they would bow to the king. And Haman loved that. He had an ego And everybody bowed to him except one person, the Jewish representative whose name was Mordecai and also happened to be Queen Esther's uncle. Mordecai refused to bow before before Haman. Upset Haman so much, he goes to the king, tells the king that the Jews are such an evil group within the country, they needed to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated, every man, woman, and child. That included Esther. Well, Esther has the opportunity to ask the king to save her life and the lives of her people. She had one chance, didn't do it. A second chance, didn't do it. A third chance, didn't do it. And ultimately, on the fourth time, she asked the king to save her life and the lives of her people, for they were about to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And the king said, yes, whatever you need, we'll take care of. And her people were saved. Haman wasn't, but that's a whole other story. But God saved the Jews. Now, today the Jews celebrate what is called Purim, and it's a wonderful celebration, and this is kind of how Esther ends. This is Esther 9, and the dates we're talking about are days of the month. The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th day they rested and made it a time of feasting and joy. And so this is a celebration because their lives were spared, and our bottom line from this day, live like God has a plan for you. Live like God has a plan for you. Esther, Jewish, becomes queen of Persia. She's not Persian. And ultimately, things unfold. And all the way through, you see God's plan for the Jews, God's plan for Esther, God's sovereign acts, which encourages us to live like God has a plan for us. Now, the irony of Esther, there's 66 books in the Bible. Esther is the only book in the Bible that never once mentions God. Not once. And yet all the way through this rich, wonderful story, you see God's sovereign acts, God's plan. Do we live our lives like God has plans for us? And that's our challenge today. Third story. I told you it was a flyby, right? There is nothing going to slow today. So we're going to be talking about the road to Emmaus. Now, we've got to think about Holy Week as we look to how we go through Good Friday and how we go through Easter. Jesus is crucified, dead, and buried on Friday. Crucified, dead, and buried. Easter morning, women go to the tomb, and they find out the tomb's empty. They go back and tell the disciples the tomb's empty. Well, there's two disciples, Cleopas and another person that's not named, who that's all they hear. Tomb's empty. So they leave Jerusalem. They're beginning to walk the six, and six or seven miles back to their home in Emmaus. And they're talking along the way about what had happened on Friday and the stuff about Jesus. And the women had come back and the tomb was empty. And when all of a sudden, another person starts walking with them, a stranger. And this stranger asks them what they're talking about. And Cleopas and his friend look at him like, where have you been? 
Don't you know about Jesus and what happened in Jerusalem? And the stranger said no. So they explained to him what had happened. And then the stranger begins to teach them about the prophecies of the Hebrew scriptures. About how everything pointed to the Messiah and the things would happen to the person who would ultimately be the Messiah. And it was everything that had happened to Jesus. Cleopas and his friend were so impressed with this stranger, they invited him to join him for dinner at their home in Emmaus. And this is our text, and this comes out of Luke, and this is Luke 24. This is what happens when they're at the table. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, doesn't that sound like what we say when we share communion? A wonderful image of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And he begins to give it to them. And then the text says, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They had been with him for probably a few miles and enjoyed at least some time together, heard what he had to say. They're amazed at his teachings. Now, all of a sudden, they see the risen, very much alive, Jesus Christ. Their eyes are opened, and they were amazed. Now, I can imagine they probably took a few hours to get to Emmaus. Our text said they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples, not only was the tomb empty, but they saw the risen, living Jesus Christ. Which brings us to our third bottom line. Live like Jesus is alive. Live like Jesus is alive. Do we live like Christ is alive? Alive in our lives and alive in our world today. And that's our challenge. Fourth story, the early church. After Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, after he went back to heaven, we start reading in Acts and the rest of Scripture, the New Testament, about this early church. Now, the early church was persecuted and prosecuted. The Jews didn't like the early Christians. They didn't like the way. And the Romans were upset simply because they upset the country because there was disagreement between the Christians and the Jews. And so they almost were in hiding a lot of the time. But what they developed was a rich sense of community. They cared for each other. They supported each other. When someone had a need, they made sure those needs were being met. They had a real sense of true community. I want to share with you our passage. This is Jesus talking out of John. And Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's twofold in this. The disciples create a community by loving each other, by loving each other. But they also became witnesses to who Jesus Christ is because others would see the way they treated each other. And our bottom line today is live like people matter. Live like People matter. Do we live that way today? Do we really live like people matter? Let me, let me just, two questions to think about. When you are, I want to say Rayleigh's, that was a grocery store at Lake Tahoe. Wait. Fred Meyer. Fred Meyer. <laughs> it's age, don't worry about it, it happens. It's part of change. Um, if you're at Fred Meyer and the clerk's helping you, do you say thank you as you leave? Talk about just simply loving somebody in the simplest way. How about when you're at a restaurant and your waitstaff says their name? Do you remember their name and use their name as you communicate with them through the rest of the meal? What a simple way 
to show God's love to others. So live like people matter. Now, our fifth lesson is really you and me. And there's really two questions within that. And what I want to do is share with you a passage from Ephesians. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And here's Paul's words. God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It is God's gift. It is not based on anything you have done. No one can brag about earning it. We are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for us to do. There's really two questions here. Have we accepted that gracious gift that is offered through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Have we accepted that gift? Anthony Apellis last week shared in his message that we all have a choice to say yes to Jesus And by not responding, we've said no. Have we said yes? And with that comes the promise of life here and today, life abundant and eternal life with our Lord and Savior in heaven. That's the first question. Do we all know Jesus? Is he our Lord and Savior? And if that's something you're not sure about, see me or see our prayer partners who will be up after the closing blessing. But that's the first question. Now, the second one, how are we living into that if we know Jesus? How are we living into it? This talks about works, and it's not works to earn salvation. It's works to do what God asks us to do out of obedience and out of gratitude. Are we living into it? Because the bottom line today is that live like we're part of a bigger story. Are we living like we're part of a bigger story? I have to say, this past week, and you've heard a lot about what all took place, we were able to watch that bigger story play out. People who were volunteering their time. Some took time as vacation away from work. For some of us who were retired the second time, we just weren't doing the other things we were reviewing. But we worked together to create this bigger picture for the kids, for each other, to do something that God has called us to do. What a blessing that is. Each and every one of us who is part of that are part of that bigger story. Now, out in the lobby, there are quilt-like things that our kids put together in their classrooms. Take a look at them, because these are the kids saying, this is what was important to them in VBS. And you see another kid's view and another kid's, and you see this sense of a bigger story unfolding. Do we recognize and do we live that we're part of a bigger story? And here's the promise. The promise is at Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of the change that takes place, whether it's that we age a little bit after nearly 50 years, or that this perfect shirt that I'm wearing may not be as stylish as I think it should be after some 40 years. Everything changes in this world, but one thing we can hold on to and know, and that's Jesus Christ. It is on him we have that firm foundation. It is on him that we have the ability to live like we know God is with us, to live like we know God has a plan for us, to live like we know Jesus is alive, to live like people matter, and to live into being part of that greater story. Amen.